When I was a pastor in a small town in Indiana, one of my parishioners lent me a book which detailed the history of the county, different groups of immigrants that lived there, the natural gas boom of the late 19th and early 20th uh, centuries, and the religious history of the county, including a revival led by the fundamentalist preacher Bob Jones in the 19-teens. But there was also a section detailing the widespread influence of the Ku Klux Klan in the county, as in the rest of Indiana. During the 1920s, the Klan was, had almost 30% of white men belonged to the Klan in Indiana. There was a photograph of four Klan members, hoods off, posing for the camera, and the caption for the photo read, Persons Unknown. Now, I'm not trying to bash Indiana. Minnesota has, we have our own racist legacy in Minnesota, as the events of the last few years have made all too painfully clear. We, have a long, we all have a long way to go. But I could scarcely believe that no one knew who the people were in the photograph. To this day, I'm convinced that someone knows. It's just too shameful of a fact to admit. Every town, especially the small town, i found, has its secrets, its skeletons in the closet, facts and stories that, should they become known, might do significant damage to prominent people. And it isn't just towns. Families carry secrets, too. Families have their scoundrels, their pariahs, their prodigals, moochers, and 'er ne'er-do-wells. Jesus had all these in his family and more. But surprisingly, without any one of them, we do not have God with us in Jesus the Messiah. From the beginning of Genesis, God's plan has been to bring shalom to the world. However, human beings rebelled against this plan, desiring to do things our own way. So after the disaster of the flood and the scattering of the people of Babel, God chose one man and one woman to be God's means of blessing for the whole world. God chose them not out of any inherent merit or worth on their part, but simply because God desired to choose them. And this family, Abraham and Sarah's family, is filled with intrigue, deception, and dysfunction. The time constraints of this sermon don't permit much detail. But suffice it to say that by the end of Genesis, the members of this family have been pimping, lying, cheating, murdering, enslaving, just to name a few things. Not a good start. Yet God continues to guide the members of this family, direct them and give them laws to live as a free people. At the Sea of Reeds and at Mount Sinai, a new nation is born, the nation of promise and blessing. However, yet again, things don't begin well. The golden calf disaster follows immediately after God gives the Ten Commandments. The people are constantly tempted to unfaith, following to follow the gods of their making rather than the God who birthed them. This nascent people, yet God still remains with them, 
God sends them judges and prophets time and time again to deliver them. This nascent people becomes great through God's blessing alone, culminating in David's glorious kingship. However, yet again, sin enters the picture. David betrays his God and his people. He commits sexual assault and murder, which kicks off a long decline in the nation's fortunes. Within two generations, God's people had split into two nations, each headed usually by an unfaithful, brutish king. Despite bright spots in the reigns of Asa, Hezekiah, and Josiah, both nations careened on a path to their own destruction. Yet, God still did not abandon God's people, but sent them prophets to warn them of impending destruction, should they continue on their path, and to call them back to the covenant. Of course, neither kings nor people would listen, and both nations were destroyed and dispersed. Jerusalem's destruction was cataclysmic, ending David's line. Though God permitted the people to suffer the consequences of their actions, God still did not abandon God's people. The Messianic line continued, this time through some very obscure people. We don't know who these people are outside of Matthew's own sources. But the line culminates in the humble craftsman Joseph, engaged to a woman named Mary, carrying a child that is not his. And of course, most prominently, lest I forget, there are the outsiders, the Gentiles, the women of this genealogy. There are five women in Jesus' line, including his mother, and each has a potentially scandalous history in addition to their outsider status. Tamar, in Genesis, seduces her father-in-law Judah to get what is rightfully hers. Rahab is a Gentile and a prostitute who shows greater faith in God, the God of Israel, than the spies she shelters. Ruth is also a Gentile. She's a Moabite. Moabites not only had a shameful origin story, according to Genesis 19, they were forever barred from the Lord's assembly, according to Deuteronomy. Yet, Ruth marries Boaz and becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Then there is Bathsheba, referred to only as the wife of Uriah. Bathsheba is also an outsider, married to a Gentile, Not only is she the victim of sexual assault, the perpetrator, King David, also murders her husband. And of course, there's Mary, a daughter of Israel, to be sure, but one who is pregnant before cohabiting with her husband. From these women who had to find a way where there was no way, no marked path, to the forgotten people of Jesus' line, to the outsiders, to heroes of faith who failed time and time again, to bad kings who failed to shepherd God's people well. We find Jesus' closet filled with skeletons. Yet like his ancient Hebrew ancestors, Matthew does not attempt to cover up the history or soften it. Their sins are out in the open, 
Their less than socially acceptable circumstances and behaviors are not denied. Through this family, this incredibly flawed, incredibly complex, incredibly human family, God brings salvation to the entire world. You see, Jesus' family is our family. Our families, too, have histories that we may not always be proud of. There are stories and secrets that we dare not let anyone know. Yet, in Jesus, they are all taken up and redeemed. As Jesus was adopted into this family, this family of David, warts and all, so we are adopted into Jesus' family through our baptism. By his adoption into Joseph's family, Jesus is more fully identified with the humanity he came to save. We'll hear more about this next week when we hear about Jesus' baptism. Jesus will say, let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus becomes more identified with us. Jesus is not some superman come down from the heavens on high, here to save us and then blast back off to heaven. Jesus takes on everything we are so we can take on everything he is. And this is the great Christmas gift that we receive from Jesus Christ. A genealogy may not look like much. When we come to genealogies in the Bible, all too often our eyes may glaze over and our minds may wander off. Yet in this list of names is the whole gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ came into the world to lift up outsiders. And we, siblings in Christ, are part of his family of Shalom. Thanks be to God. Amen.